The Bite Goes On is up next, but first, check out this other great show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Destination Eat Drink. I'm Brent Peterson. This week on the podcast, it's all about wine. Wine from Italy, wine from France, from New Zealand, and the importance of wine hospitality in the Republic of Georgia. You're making wines so that if a guest comes to visit, you have the wine to share with them. Download Destination Eat Drink today on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Hi, and welcome to The Bike Goes On. This is Brian Casey with my good friend, Sandra Bernstein, in beautiful Sonoma County on a... Uh, on a weird day today and Sandra <laughs> not only do not only do we got the the weather pattern that finally came in the the we got a fire now starting up on uh, 128 and then Sandra yeah. actually managed to find some uh, locusts in the news too so locusts lookalikes <laughs> in New Jersey <laughs> and weird, <laughs> in New Jersey some weird fly or something it's really bizarre and then kind of a strange show because we don't we today normally we have um you know like a chef or a chief player today we have a dancer on oh we do <laughs> yeah we do well oh, yeah. it's yeah. so exciting we actually i'm really um pleased to introduce our guest today tanya holland from brown sugar kitchen yeah. Thank you. great to be here yeah, and exciting new podcast just happening, Tanya's Table. Yep, yep. Yeah, and so one very, very busy lady. So we really are grateful for you giving us some time today. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you for your patience. I know we had to reschedule. It's just one of those moments in time I'm trying to keep up and, you know, you just don't know from one day to the next what's, you know, what's happening. <laughs> Well, you have a very good assistant who's keeping up on you. Yeah, she's that great, Marina. Marina right? Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah, and yeah, I need one of those. So <laughs> Isn't it funny, like, in a time where you would think, like, everything is slowed down and you don't really know how you're progressing and all of a sudden you're busier than you were, like, when full speed ahead? Yeah. Crazy. No, it, it is. I mean not what I thought was going to happen when the lockdown was first announced. I thought I'd, oh, I'm like, oh, great. I can catch up on my sleep. That hasn't happened. <laughs> yeah. No, I've been well, trying just, to nap. It's just different yeah. routines, right? I mean, you were yeah. in a routine of how you did business before and now yeah. you're just, it's a new routine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's actually, it's more repetitive because you know, we don't have like the special events that pop up or the, you know, the dinners or anything unusual other than, you know, now it's just like takeout service, takeout service, takeout service, you know? Um, so it's, it's, you know, it's been nice to have the, the podcast, obviously to break things up for me. And um, yeah, it just, it, you know, it is what it is. I'm just trying to pivot and, and stay, um, you know, just stay alive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and Sandra, I know you, I was sort of poking fun at, at Tanya saying that we had a dancer on the program, but seriously. I know, I know you did your research. Seriously, Tanya, can you just talk a little bit about what, what a part dance plays in your life? 
Yeah, I mean, any mo any opportunity I get, I, I dance. But I love um, oh, I love music, and I love um, the I love what it contributes to environment and ambiance in a restaurant. And yeah. Um, I've yeah, I've always loved to dance. Like it's you know when I I took ballet when I was really young, and then my parents had parties and. You know, me and my friends, we were always dancing, you know, when even though we we're supposed to be upstairs while the adults were having their party mm -hmm. downstairs. And I've always gone to concerts. And, you know, when I when fame came out in high school, I wanted to be a dancer. My dad was like, nope, <laughs> nope, nope. That's not a profession. <laughs> you know, um, so just, yeah, I like to dance. And, it, and it's funny that someone who like you you were gonna go to school for engineering you end up with a degree in russian literature and then you end up dance she she ends up dancing at a chicago pizza place in paris i mean talk about a, an unusual path which we find with a lot of people in the in the restaurant industry yeah i mean you know it's it's yeah it was kind of a, a happy accident that i end up in this business but really not that big of a stretch considering my parents entertained a lot you know they had a gourmet cooking club so they cooked at home we dined out uh, frequently when I was growing up um, and I started working in restaurants to have some extra money during college and I loved how interdisciplinary it was so I felt like I could bring some of the you know I mean my studies your, your studies are kind of like they are what they are in college right even if you were an engineer you still don't know exactly when, how you're gonna apply that. Um, but uh, what mine did for me, I think was just open me up to communicating with different kinds of people. And um, that's, that's a good skill set to have in the restaurant business. Yeah. Where are you from originally? I was uh, born in Hartford, Connecticut. And then uh, my dad got a job with Kodak when I was two. And so I was raised in Rochester, New York. But my, my dad's from Virginia, my mom's from Louisiana, and I spent uh, summers, you know, different summers in both places, um, mostly hanging out with my grandmothers. Um, my grandfathers were, uh, my paternal grandfather was always working on construction sites, and then my, my maternal grandfather passed away when I was eight, so I didn't know him that well, but um, I spent a lot of time with my grandmothers. Ooh. That's nice memories to have. Yeah. I, I think about my grandparents every once in a while. I try and pinpoint something or you see an old picture and you go, oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah. Neither, none of my grandparents cooked. Yeah. None of them. Wow. Yeah. I cannot remember anything, anything ever. Definitely not Betty, except no, my dad's grandmother cooked chicken like roasted chicken but it was the driest chicken ever that's why i say she doesn't really cook. she was not a good cook i felt so bad for my grandfather oh, what wow. did you guys do on holidays sandra we all got together on holidays who did the cooking my mom cooked a lot so she would do it or we had it brought in from like the deli oh. um, no. <laughs> yeah but she would do like yeah, thank, she would cook Thanksgiving and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. When did you, when did you like decide you were going to be a chef and, or be in restaurants for real and like really take the jump and go, I'm going to do it? Yeah, that's a good question. So I was, um, 
you know, working in advertising after college in New York City and um, supplementing that income with restaurant jobs, um, first hosting and then, I can't remember, I think then I was like advertising and then I was working sales at a department store. And my colleague at the department store knew that I wasn't being challenged in the advertising um, world. And, you know, there was not going to be an opportunity for promotions or anything. And she said, she was about 20 years older than me. And she said, my friend has a catering company and he needs an office manager. I think you'd be perfect for it. And I went and interviewed with him and I took that job. And that was a job where I got exposed to doing events all around New York City and museums and, um, you know, big event spaces. And I met lighting designers and floral designers and he was featured in a magazine. I, I met a food writer and food recipe testers. And I learned about all these, you know, different aspects of the business. And then I started taking cooking classes with a friend on the Upper East Side. And um, those instructors had all studied in France. And, and I looked around, I also saw that, you know, I did not see any restaurants that represented my heritage in an elevated and contemporary way uh, that I thought it should be. So I thought there was an opportunity and it seemed like um, it was, at the time it seemed like it was equitable, equitable, like who could go into the business and what you needed. I mean, I didn't know anything about the financing of a restaurant, um, you know? That's a big, big thing you might want to know. Yeah. Um, and so I just, yeah, I just kind of went for it. I said, well, the most successful restaurant tours that I can see in front of me right now know the food. So I decided to go to cooking school. But I knew that I, I really wanted to be a restaurant tour more than I wanted to be a chef. Um, but I was a decent cook because I'd grown up with, you know, cooking and, um, and I did well in cooking school. You know, I mastered the techniques that, um, you know, that I was taught, um, as I, as I continued to work in restaurants, I didn't always get access to that kind of training because a lot of, you know, the male chefs were promoted ahead of me or given the responsibility of the butchering or, you know, cooking on the hotline. So it, you know, it was kind of a, took a little bit longer than I expected, but you know, I kept plugging away. Yeah, that's amazing. And was your first restaurant in Oakland? Yeah, the first restaurant that I actually owned is Brown Sugar Kitchen. I opened in 2008. Yeah, that it's just yeah. so awesome and such a great reputation and uh fried chicken <laughs> yeah it's it's funny because my mom fried chicken a couple times a week when i was growing up and you know as soon as i left the house i was like i really like i never thought of fried chicken i never craved it i didn't want it you know and of course i didn't go to cooking school in france to learn how to fry chicken right and so it's <laughs> really ironic that you know that's kind of what i become known for and what i'm doing now um i had yeah you know, I had different thoughts about how I would be cooking, what I would be cooking. Um, but, you know, it, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I never thought we would serve as many burgers as we serve at the Girl on the Fig. <laughs> oh, my it's God, I, I love your burger. I want one right now. 
oh my god, I want Starving. your fried chicken right now. But <laughs> it's like I was like, who want? Who did all this to be a burger joint? You know? Right. Yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> yeah. The right, voting right, is right. going on, and we're nominated for the best burger. We're not going to win yeah. the best burger because right. I'm not going to get everybody to vote for us. But yeah, um, like you know, there's a lot of other things I would rather be known for. I absolutely. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. What would Brian? Well, I, I was going to ask Tanya, have you ever tried like KFC or Popeye's fried chicken and said, you know what, that's not half bad? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's funny. So um, probably like four or five years ago, I, I do some work on the side for um, the Center for Culinary Development Innovation um, in the, they're down here in Emeryville now. And we were developing a recipe for KFC and we had a, they gave us coupons to go in there to get some of this product to try. And so I'm in there with like, you know, my knit cap and my hoodie pulled over me like so nobody <laughs> recognizes me. You know, I'm just like, I cannot be seen getting chicken from yeah. KFC, you know. Um, and it wasn't half bad, but it was like, I was like, oh yeah, I remember this. Cause I, you know, I grew up eating it. Um, Cause there, occasionally, not a lot, but occasionally. And then like on road trips and then um, sometimes in an airport, I will, I've had, um, sorry, one second. I, you know, Popeye's is the only offering. And I have a friend who's from Louisiana who loves Popeye's. So, you know, one day I intentionally, I'm like, you know what, let me see what this is all about. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't half bad, it wasn't half bad, you know? You know what I've noticed is the size of the birds is different. For some, I don't know if they're just getting yeah. these little baby birds or something. Oh, that's oh. horrible. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I notice because, you know, we use a sustainable product, it, uh, the free range, and I just, I can tell the difference. I'm sure you can too, Sandra. You know, you know when you're getting good yeah. chicken and when you're not. And that's, that's the part that I'm like, ugh. Yeah. It doesn't even it doesn't even bother me as much that it's like you know, deep fried or whatever else. But the you know when you're getting commodity chicken, it yeah. just it doesn't taste right to me right. anymore. No, it's it's yeah, I I totally agree. I get it. Yeah. Do you? So you're doing takeout now. Um, more well, because than because you guys you don't have a, any sort of outdoor seating at all, right? It's all indoor. Yeah, we're doing okay. takeout. We actually do have outdoor. Um, we ha we have the, um, I'm in my new location a year and a half and we had uh, some drawings made for outdoor seating, but because we opened in winter and then last summer we were dealing with the ferry building, we didn't uh, open, but then I just moved the ferry building furniture over here and it works perfectly. Uh. And then we're, we're building a park collet in, um, this week, actually, so we'll have additional outdoor seating. That's great. we were able to get. Yeah, we were able to get a couple um, parking spots on Broadway. Um, you know, reserved um, for for our parklet. So that's great. We're lucky, really lucky. Yeah. Are they giving any grants or anything to help um, build that stuff out? No, you would think they would. Um, I have not found any yet. You know, the thing about the grants is like the administration of the paperwork, right? How do you mm -hmm. like 
you don't have time to sit down to fill out the paperwork. You know, you might as well just do it yourself because it costs the same amount, you know? Right. Um, so we haven't really had a chance to look in that. We were lucky to get some uh, PPP funds, um, you know, so some of that can offset, you know, mm -hmm. the expense of this, but I think it'll pay for itself with the additional seating, you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it's that is so true because we got some tables out on the plaza and on the sidewalk and it was 32 pages from the city to fill out. I'm like, seriously? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you, yeah. you know they want to help you, but it's yeah. like at the same time, like, can That's you fill this all out thing. for me? Yeah. Kind of crazy. What, I agree. Um, yeah. So are you enjoying the podcast so far? I love it. You know, I am, you know, I think a nat I mean, I've been naturally or developed to become a conversationalist um, through, um, you know, the work that I do, other media stuff I've done. I, you know, you know, we work in kind of a, a silo, especially once you're an owner and an operator. So it's fun to talk to people in different fields that are experts in their fields and, you know, just get their perspective on what's going on in life. Uh, mine is about food and culture. And, you know, obviously a lot of the conversations right now are involving um, <clears throat> what people are doing during COVID and the movement, um, the Black Lives Matter movement. So it's been, in, but it's, it's been really interesting. I, I really enjoy it. Yeah, yes. I, so grateful to see Brian every week. It's like been my like one lifeline that it's like yeah. consistent and we're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Well, and then, and then we always talk, you know, we'll talk for an hour, hour and a half. Yeah. About whatever. And a lot yeah. of times it's about, it's about the pandemic and about Corona and COVID. And then we'll have people on and they, they express their opinions. And at the end of the hour and a half, we always turn around, look at, look at each other and say, we still have no idea what the heck's going on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Same thing. Exactly. Gonna change yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we we actually haven't really talked about the Black Lives Matter at all, and I haven't. I don't know where to come with all. Like, I don't know where to engage in that conversation. It's it's been really interesting. Um, just in our culture is very different. We I have a staff member that said how come you don't have any African-American people working here? And I'm like, well, we, we have in the past and we would any time if people were here, but yeah. the population isn't here. And so, you know, it was a very interesting question. I was a little off guard, but because we have a huge Latinx, um, you know, employment over 50%. Yeah. And yeah. Know, we're really open. And it's, it's an interesting thing how, how the whole conversation is going on and where it is being really impactful. And um, I had someone reach out randomly and say, how come you don't have any African-American winemakers on your wine list? Uh -huh. And I'm like, wow, did you just like go through my whole wine list to see? I'm like, I would be happy if the wine is good and it's real yeah. varietals, I'm going to sell yeah. it. But yeah. I have to know about it and I'm yeah. not out there searching. So yeah. I just, I wonder how you're feeling right now. Um, it's definitely a big spotlight. And yeah. is yeah. it a good spotlight? Is your, 
Is your wine list 100% Rhone? Yes, except for the oh. sparkling. That's why I love it so much. That like that's my jam, Rhone varietals. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, are there any African Americans uh, winemakers working with Rhone varietals? I don't know. I'm going to talk to Jeff Cohn about that. Uh, I can. I can tell <laughs> well, you that. <laughs> yes, Lloyd. I do know. Okay. Lloyd. Uh, Artie Johnson, who does uh, uh, Wine XYZ, and he does. Uh, he loves Rhone varietals and he's getting some fruit from uh, Phil Katuri at the Rossi Ranch Vineyard. Oh. So Artie Johnson, he's married to uh, Michelle Staglin from Staglin Winery. Oh, and, oh um, I know, I know them. I know them. Okay. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. And his wine is amazing. Okay, great. Yeah. He's expanded you. his portfolio. At first it was just Rosé of Alicante yeah. Bouchette, but now he's doing a little bit of everything. Okay. So um, that's good to know. I think Andre Mack might be doing some things with uh, Rones too. Mm. You know, Andre Mack, um, do you guys know who he is? No. no. I know he's got a Pinot that he works with, but um, anyways, we'll find out. But yeah, so that's an interesting thing. Um, and I understand because I, I know where you guys are, that there isn't an African-American community there, but um, I think that's a good question about winemakers or maybe farmers or how you could support. Um, but are you familiar with the Independent Restaurant Coalition? Oh yeah, I'm posting. Are you, have you been on those calls? Are you on those calls? Oh yeah. Okay, yeah. so there's a lot coming in. I and I was a speaker on the call on Friday, <clears throat> and I mean the thing for me is that. Yeah, it's, I mean, okay, now everybody wants to hear what I've been trying to talk about for a few decades. So it's kind of, <laughs> it's a little bit frustrating, yeah. um, but yeah. at the same time, it's, it's good to, I guess, have the opportunity to finally have people like really intently listen and not dismiss the things that I've been talking about um, and how real they are, you know, and how it's, it's really, it can be really lonely and stressful to be the only person, you know, in, at a meeting at a, you know, for instance, I mean, you know, there's organizations in wine country, there was like women in wine, you know, and that's included all the counties. And I went to a couple of their events and it's like, there was no other black women there. You know, I love the wine business. I was really interested in going in that industry early on in my career, but there was, there was nobody who looked like me and then nobody would, you know, take an interest in my development because again, they just didn't see anyone who looked like me doing what I wanted uh, to do, which was the same thing that happened to me in restaurants, which is why I really learned by doing and going out on my own, um, which is makes it harder, you know? Um, and I'm not afraid of hard work, but it shouldn't be harder than it already is, you know? And yeah. it didn't have to be quite that hard. Um, but, well, you know- and, and to be a woman too. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. That. <laughs> yeah, that intersectionality, you know, it's like, I can't, divide myself into thirds or quarters so it's like it is it's how I experience the world and yeah the being a black woman you know uh, my friend who was on the call the other day she specializes in um you know interracial conversations it's just like you know we're we have the least amount of opportunities you know the least percentage of uh weight wages um not really in leadership uh so it it's just, you know, I'm hoping for this change. I'm the most hopeful I've been ever Ooh, uh, that yeah. this change is afoot. Um, 
So that part is cool. You know, the conversations I'm being pulled into with heavy hitters, um, James Beard Foundation is going to announce tomorrow that I've been appointed on their board of trustees. I will be the chef chair of the awards. Wow, um, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, I'll be replacing Annie Quatrano. So oh. I, uh, you know, this is what I, I've dreamt of. Now I get to be impactful, um, you know, which is, which is great. Um, so, you know, it would have been nice to have been recognized myself, but, you know, I kind of let that go when I realized I wouldn't have the opportunity to work on my craft and really become an artist because I had to really, you know, just figure out how to be, make a sustainable living and create my own opportunities. But, um, you know, everybody's journey is different. I think I was brought here to, to create a pathway for others. Um, and so that's what I want to, you know, continue to do and work on. So the movement has brought light, you know, and amplified my voice and others. So I'm, I'm appreciative of that. Mm -hmm. And what, what kind of things can you see actually like, like really doing, like, you know, biting in and taking something on and, and doing it more than just a conversation? Well, you know, really looking at the structure of things and, you know, for the awards, it'll be like, who's selected, you know, who gets to cook at the Beard House, how are they supported, who, who gets amplified, um, you know, in the newsletter or, you know, whatever, whatever it is, just to make things more equitable, um, you know, when we have, when there's sponsorship, I don't even know to the extent of what's going to be expected to me, of me just yet. Mm -hmm. These are just, you know, what I, I, I think might happen. So, um, but I think there's just, it's just a great opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think they're a, a place that could use some, um, change. Yeah. Um, we cooked there years and years ago and, um, I remember Calvin, um, I just, there, were, there are things that I remember from that, but it always has somewhat felt like a uh, old man's club, you know? Yeah, yeah very elitist. Um, yeah. I mean, for years, I kind of boycotted the organization because I just saw the elitism and that it was, um, yeah, it was pay to play. It was very much dominated by, you know, male chefs of European descent. Um, mm -hmm. And so I just didn't see that there'd be a place there for me. And it was disappointing because it's like, well, you know, in, in the beginning of my career, I aspired, right. like, oh, I have a chance at this. And then it was like, oh, well, that's not going to happen because I'm not, you know, right. I don't fall into this category. So it just, you give up and on that aspect of it. But so I'm, I'm, you know, a few years ago, I got involved when they started, you know, doing a little bit more, uh, impact programs and advocacy programs and women focused programs. Um, so, you know, they're really trying hard to evolve. I mean, it's, it's a, a significant, I guess, institution in terms of um, it, they have set some standards of excellence, but then, you know, again, it hasn't really been equitable because everybody doesn't have access to what it takes to get to certain standards. You can't afford so it's like, to go. So, what's that? People can't afford to go. I mean, right. like, you right. know, not everybody anyway. Or, or to, yeah, to participate in any way. So do you, 
just burn the whole thing down and like you know kind of for lack of a better way of putting it do we just do we bury james like um, we say like let's just bury him he's done you know <laughs> bye yeah and it becomes the somebody else foundation you know mm -hmm. um i don't know and it's like mm -hmm. or do we or do they keep it as a james beard foundation try to completely restructure it, but then it always goes back to an old white dude so i don't know you yeah. know yeah. i don't know no, I, I, um, I mean, it was interesting too, because we really, like, I don't think, I don't think that John cared that much, you know, when we got it, but I cared because I yeah. looked at it as, okay, this is a step, you know, towards recognition and whatever. But, it, and actually it's so funny because Jeff did all our wine for one of them. Oh yeah. Yeah, we cool. did a whole, he did all the wines. He and Alex flew out for it. I think Alex yeah. was there, he was there. But um, yeah. but in the end of the day, it cost us thousands of dollars. Oh God, I know. And I, I didn't know. ask people for free food. I, yeah. I, that's not something that I'm comfortable with. Yeah. Um, and we just, it was just, wow. It was like, yeah. was it worth it? Was that night yeah. really worth it? You yeah. Know? I know. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people who have probably been that same scenario and also felt like, was it worth it? And then there's people who like, you know, five, ten thousand dollars that they spend on that dinner is like nothing, you know, right. to their right. organization. Right. And for years, those were the winners, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I always wonder how. Um you know, how the winners are picked and how the nominees. I used to do the judging for IACP, the cookbook awards and that, yes. I love that. I built my, built half of my cookbook collection on that. Nice, nice. Because it, yeah. took, it took so much time. I mean, if you Oh my God, it, I can't right. even imagine. I yeah. can't even imagine, wow. Yeah, but it's like, you, you wonder, you know, how do you, you know, some people say you're only as good as your last meal or, yeah. you know, now yeah. I think like even with Solejo in um, the Chronicle, yeah. looking further than the dish, yeah, further than, you know, kind of trying to figure out who that person is and, yeah. you know, what they're telling the story. Are. Yeah. Yeah, telling the story. I think that's been... Yeah, it's great. Like, like Jonathan Gold did, you know, she's, I think, exactly. kind of modeling after him, which is great. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah yeah it didn't have to be the big fancy restaurants it was everybody's restaurant people things that everybody could have access to yeah yeah, That's yeah. Really important. so i want to you were saying your staff is not very diverse is your i mean your clientele what do you how do you feel about your clientele um i would say it's not very diverse either <laughs> i would say that we're not there's no discrimination as far as course, I'm yeah, concerned. Yeah. Um, but I just don't see a lot of African-Americans just floating around Sonoma. Brian in the hotel? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the, at the Fairmont, I'd say it's probably like 5%, something like that. Um, yeah. What yeah, I've, I don't, you know, what I've noticed lately though is, is, is uh, people reaching out, whereas I didn't feel like that was something that happened before, where people are waiting in line for the wine tasting, or if they're out at the pool, that I see conversations starting easier than they did before. Mm -hmm. um, That's great. And, 
And then uh, I always look through things through the lens of comedy. So I get in trouble all the time. <laughs> you know, I'll see now a, a white woman with an Afri African-American man. And I think before she like, was she going to tell her parents? Now she's like screaming it to the world. I'm woke as fuck. Check me out. <laughs> right, right. So. Yeah. That's so funny. Um, yeah, I was just thinking about, you know, dining at the one of the, maybe it was the last time I, ate at um at your restaurant i'm not sure but um i sat down at the bar i had just done an event in sonoma and i was like i am having a burger like <laughs> sorry sorry i listened to like i looked at the menu i looked at everything else but i think i had a burger uh -huh. um and i started talking to this guy to my right and you know we had a great conversation he was from um from england and then I then started talking to a woman on my left. She, turns out she was in TV production. I'm still friends with both of them. Wow. <laughs> that, happened at your, that. that happened at your restaurant. That I love that. Yeah, oh, so I appreciate And your ser the service was amazing. And, you know, no, I felt comfortable, but I understand, like, I don't know why Sonoma isn't really on the radar um, as much as Napa is, you know, for tourism, right. I think. And that's part of it. Um, but... I mean, I love all the all the valleys in um, in uh, the in the in the Bay. We're so lucky to have everything so close by. And you know, I worked on the square for a minute. I worked at Spirits and Stone. Do you remember that gallery? Yes, I do. You're kidding. Yeah. Uh, before I opened my restaurant, while I was working my business plan, I that was a part time job for me. I had done some of that um, when I was a line cook on Martha's Vineyard. I worked in like art galleries and craft galleries because I, I just love I love the work I like you know that creativity so yeah I was working there um, so I, I had to drive up there for training a few times so I got to know Sonoma and actually when I first moved here a friend had just bought a house in Sonoma not too far from the square so I feel lucky that I got to know that area and I taught at Ramekins when yes, I first moved I here know. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I so I, I got to know Sonoma like pretty early on even before I got to know Napa mm -hmm. wait is yeah. that how you know Jeff Cohn how do you know Jeff Cohn just from Oakland yeah because he oh. had a tasting, a tasting room in Oakland yeah right yeah. okay yeah yeah okay the um you know so I'm from Philly and yeah. I, what part? From, what part are you from? Well, I, I grew up in suburbs. the suburbs. And what suburb? Because all my friends from college are from there. You're kidding. The main line, Penn Valley. Valley Where Paoli? Paoli. My dad had a uh, tennis club in uh, Paoli, actually <laughs> suburban. What high school? What high school, did you, what high school did you go to? I went to Harriton High School, and okay, that was in Rosemont. Okay. So, um, you know, but I ended up moving to the city. Yeah. And, um, I love Philadelphia. Oh, Philly. Philly is awesome. I and mean, I love, I I love my people from Philadelphia. Great, yeah. great, you know, salt of the earth folks. Yeah. Well, it was interesting. One of the restaurants that I worked in, I started there as a floor manager. And, you know, it was the time where you wore stockings and, you know, high heels. <laughs> oh, I remember and that. A dress. Oh, and yeah. it was a very, very busy restaurant um, in the Academy building, Marabella's. And uh -huh. um, the kitchen staff, I would say, was 90 95% African American. And oh, wow. the front of the house was, was maybe 
Uh And the management staff was white. And I was a manager and training and training. And the owner was like, okay, we're going to open another restaurant in Bluebell. And Uh we want you to potentially go be the general manager. But for you to do that, you need to work every department. And that includes working in the kitchen. Uh And I'm like, okay, if you really want me in the kitchen, I don't think you're going to do, but I I will do this. And so then the next thing I know, you know, I'm in my whites and my heels are gone. My, my stockings are gone and all the whistles from the guys, you know, that I would get every day was different because I walked in as the boss, you know, so I had two assistant, two or three assistant kitchen managers that were pissed as hell that this white woman was coming in to all of a sudden be the kitchen manager boss and tell everybody what to do. And honestly, I would go home and cry. I, I just like, they just made my life so hard. And I was just like, you guys, I don't want to be in this job. So yeah. we have two things, either you're going to help me and make me look really good so I can be on my way, or I'm going to probably fire you because I can. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I remember I would get up at like five in the morning and get there before anybody and unload the delivery trucks that would come and do all the grunt work. It was hard to get people's respect. Yeah. I did eventually, but it wasn't, it wasn't easy. And I think, you know, coming from privilege and coming from, you know, just so grateful for my upbringing, I just can't imagine, you know, some of the hardships that people go through. So it's just, um, yeah. 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 And you know, it's, I mean, your, your situation is a case in point where, you know, you were given this opportunity, not that, you know, I begrudge you or you shouldn't be given an opportunity, but, um, you know, there's a lot of people who are denied it just because of the totally. color of their skin, you exactly. know? And I mean, myself, so, I mean, I grew up in a pretty privileged background as an African-American, you know, two parents working, upper middle class. I went to a good university went to a good cooking school and I still couldn't get those opportunities. So that like, you know, when you grow up thinking you can be anything because especially if you take the right steps, then it's like, wait, what, this is messed up. Like what's, what's right. happening here? You know, and you're, when you're a young person, you know, you don't have, even though I had a good support network of my pam- family and friends, but they were also like, why do you want to work in the restaurant business? You know? <laughs> um, yeah. You know, they thought I should have been an engineer or, you know, mm-hmm. get an MBA or a law degree. And I probably could have and probably should have, but I didn't. <laughs> but I didn't. <laughs> well, it's not about the money. I keep telling, trying to right, tell everybody, right, we didn't get right. into this to make a million dollars. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, how, how, did you, you. how did you start the restaurant with, um, did you get investors or was it all your own money when you first started? No, I did get some investors, but I think, you know, when I tell you the numbers, you'll laugh, but, you know, it was like, you know, 10 investors at five to 10,000 each. You know, I raised $110,000 to open a 50 seat restaurant in the Bay Area in 2008. You know, it was amazing. Yeah, it was not enough. Right. So I was always behind the eight ball. When you're undercapitalized, you just cannot, you can't get ahead. And I got a grant, and this is a, another example of a grant. I got a grant from the city of Oakland for 
$75,000, but I had to spend 150 and I had to do all this documentation. It took me seven years to administer the grant to oh see that money. God. Wow. Oh my God. By the time I got it, it was like, you know, it was almost worthless. Right. Um, <laughs> That's like the worst dangling right. carrot right. <laughs> ever. And, yeah. and it's only worth like 20% of what it was worth seven years right. ago. Right, yeah. right. Um, so I just, you know, bootstrap, just kept bootstrapping. Um, you know, we kept raising the prices a little bit. Um, you know, we, we had, we did a lot of volume because of the media, um, attention that we got and, you know, I knew how to deliver a consistent product, but, um, it was, uh, yeah, it was hard and it still is. I'm still, you know, still didn't raise enough money for this new space. So there's more debt than I would like. And, you know, still had to skimp on some things you know it's just never ending yeah it it, it i think it it's kind of crazy you know just yeah. how the numbers pan out and and even now like going into going into the pandemic it was thinking oh this is going to be a really good time to restructure how people get tips restructure how our wages are going to be yeah we we haven't been able to do any of that. It's yeah. um, can't afford to. I mean, yeah, we, same. We and not afford to. Yeah, and people are still resistant also mm -hmm. to that kind of change. You know, it's just so ingrained in yeah. you know our industry, like the tipping, and you know, we were trying to do a, a new distribution. We have a skeletal staff, and then you know the front of the house staff or they were just really like, wait a second, that means you don't, you don't appreciate the service we give. And it's oh. just, you know, it's, it's exactly. hard. It's exhausting. Yeah. And uh, Brian, as you're making lots of, lots of tips right now. Well, I mean, and that wasn't always the case for me. I mean, I was the Psalm. So I was, I was always paid hourly plus percentage of wine sales. So it was up to me to sell wine and more expensive wine, the better for me. Now they don't need a Psalm, so I am called a Mater D. So now I'm thrown into the tip pool. But we decided to take the entire staff. We're not just pooling the, 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 the pool people or the, the bar people or the restaurant people. We just took yeah. everything and put it all together. And so we're, it's, it's great because we're a smaller staff, but we all kind of feel yeah. like we're a, we're a more cohesive team because we're all helping each other and, and whether, you know, you know, there's always the AM, PM, you know, just like there's yes. front of the house, back of the house. You always got yes. the AM, PM. They didn't do their side work. And when yeah, I came yeah. in, this wasn't done. Always. So yeah. none of that has been going on lately. Oh, good, good, yeah. good. Yeah. So tell us what, what can we look forward to seeing and hearing from you? Because I know you're so busy. Are you recording three, four um, episodes in advance or are you week to week? Uh, well, I've already finished recording the entire uh, first season. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, 14 episodes. Um, we started, um, when did we start? I think, uh, what's today? August. We started in June, beginning of June, I think. And I did, you know, some days I did one, some I did two, some I did three. Um, they, I think they all went really well. We already have four guests booked for season two, which I'll start taping at the end of September, beginning of October. Wait, give and, us a sneak peek. Tell us, can you give us a little that? sneak? Can you give us a little sneak peek into who you got? For next season? Yeah. Uh, yeah, people that I was 
<coughs> working on getting this season. I mean, I have commitments from uh, Danny Glover, from, um, oh my God, who else did, just said yes? I for, I'm like, I can't even, I wrote it down. You know, Danny Glover used to live in Sonoma, or he yes, had a house he, in yes, Sonoma. that's right. He did had he? a vineyard. He had yes. a vineyard. Oh. I think he's been to the girl in the thing, I believe. I think he sat on table 11. <laughs> and that's when we had tables in the bar, like real tables in the bar. Yeah. yeah. No, I know. Uh, yeah. I think Robert came and took over his vineyard. Oh, okay. Wow, yeah. that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, so he's one, um, a local, um, Erica Huggins, who was a Black Panther. She's an activist and she's kind of a legend in, in, in Oakland and that that community. I wanted to have her on. Um, a, you know, she might not be known nationally, but the work that she's done is definitely known in, you know, uh, certain, certain groups. Um, I was trying to book Lars Ulrich, who is the drummer of Metallica, yep. and he, he wasn't able to get these dates. Um, so hopefully he'll come on season two. Um, Festa Zazelli, who is a, you know, from the Warriors, um, he is, he's confirmed as is Aisha Curry. Wow, um, this is so fun. And it's yeah, not it's, all it's, food. It's not only no, food. No, it's not all food people. You know, in this season, like my last episode was with Kevin Euclid, the uh, baseball player, um, who now he has a brewery and has a coffee company. But, you know, I told him, I was like, I don't follow professional baseball. I'm sorry. He was like, <laughs> he was like it's okay. It's okay. We, we found plenty to talk about, you know? It's like, I read up that like all the, you know, MVP and all the stuff, all the records he broke and all this. I was like, that's wonderful. Like, doesn't mean anything to me, you know? Right. Like, <laughs> so it's, it, I like to learn too, you know, it's fun to, yeah, it's fun to learn from others. Oh, so great to expand our horizons and That's try right. to understand somebody's point of view and- Yes, absolutely, awesome. absolutely. And where are you recording the shows? I've just been doing it at the restaurant. Um, so the restaurant, I have a, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Meyer Sound, but I have a Meyer Sound system. This is, you know, me loving to dance and loving music. Um, I approached them when we were in construction and they partnered with me to put in the state-of-the-art sound system. And so there's a lot of acoustical fabric. Uh, they have, you know, 30 plus US patents on acoustical material. It's a real game changer, as you guys can understand, because this is a 4,000 square foot, you know, restaurant with a lot of hard surfaces, but the sound is amazing. So that's incredible. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's great. It's like it was meant to be. And who's so there, there will be a dance party here. When we can do that again. Okay. Yeah, we'll that again. And when the restaurant's going, who, who gets to pick the music? Um, we all do. I mean, my, my staff kind of understands the genre I want to stay in. There's like, you know, we just go from playlists on Spotify or, you know, Pandora. And um, it's usually, you know, R&B centric, um, some jazz, depend, you know, we might do the Nina Simone station in the morning, you know, and then in the evening or the afternoon, put on Stevie Wonder. And then in the evening, it might be more like the roots, you know, Neo Soul. <laughs> Um, so, you know, we, but we, we play everybody, you know, I mean, I like all kinds of music. Um, so I'd like to, you know, just also, as long as it's family friendly, 
<laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's all. That's getting harder and harder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, did you see? I, I I typed there in the chat because I'm tr I'm trying to share this. I had I had just learned about this artist two days ago. I've been watching this show on Netflix um, called In the Dark, which is about this um, blind woman who befriends a young kid who ends up getting killed, and then she's trying to solve the murder. And one, oh, wow. And, and one of the, his, his favorite artists to listen to was Labby Sifri, which I had never heard of before. And it was, yeah. this, it was this guy from the 60s and 70s. And so if you get a chance, I think you'll dig the music. I'm like, oh. I get stuck on these things where I like find someone, look yeah. for interviews with them, start to listen, yeah. you know, because music is like, to me, it's like wine. It's, yeah. it's like endless. You can, you can so your endless. entire wine life. Is so endless. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know, it's I used to, healing. what's that? I said, music has been really healing for me right through yeah. this time. No, it's great. Um, I, you know, I tried to work in the wine business for a minute. Like I said, I worked at Acker Merrill and Condit um, back in the 90s and a distributor, uh, Michael Skernick. And mm -hmm. I've always, I just, I love that the, the uh, you know, how infinite <laughs> wine knowledge is like nobody really like you can't, it's hard to master, but it's fun yeah. to, it's fun to work on. <laughs> right. <laughs> good practice. Yeah. Right. Fun yeah. to practice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, um, and so where website, Instagram, where can yeah, so find I you? have, um, you know, my Instagram personal is Ms. Tanya Holland, M S T A N. Y-A-H-O-L-A-N-D, and that's the same on Facebook and Twitter. Brown Sugar Kitchen has all its own, at Brown Sugar Kitchen and at Brown Sugar Kitchen. And then uh, Instagram and the other ones too, we have at Tanya's Table Podcast. So that one is really focuses on giving you updates of the guests week to week. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just, you know, I'm out there just hustling. Trying to <laughs> yes, you are, girl. <laughs> you are working it. Yeah. You are working it. Thank well, you. Thank you. I'm so, thank you so much for the time. Oh, it's been so what's, be, Thanks for what's, having me. So what exactly is, is the restaurant, like hours and stuff for people to pick up? So right now we're doing 12 to 5, Wednesday through Saturday. Um, when our parklet gets finished uh, in the next week, we, we're going to extend the hours um, and probably go to like 8 o'clock or so. But they can, you know, if you go to the social media, we'll definitely post it on our social media channels. Okay. Very good. And it's on, on the website too, brownshirtkitchen.com. Okay. And we'll, we'll add it to the notes. Thank you. Oh, and wait, wait, you. can I ask one last question? <laughs> sure. Where do you like to eat in Oakland? Oh, good question. Um, well, you know, I when we were dining before COVID, one of yeah. my favorite neighbor neighborhood spots is the Wolf, um, and the owners uh, Rebecca and Rich Wood. They have Wood Tavern, and I love like you know, it's like my Cheers. I walk in, hey Tanya, hey hey, you know, uh, the employees and the customers, and it's you know they have oysters on the half shell. They do a great burger um they do just really nice simple uh bistro food i also like to just try everybody who's doing something now it's been really fun to get you know sort of takeout kits i mean i'm not going out so i'll i'll buy you know takeout meals from folks and um umami mart just did a pop-up with this uh chef um 
Kesaki Akabori, and he made a soft shell tempura crab sandwich, which was delicious. Oh, oh, yeah. You know, um, there's just there's a lot of great you know varieties of food here. So I I mix it up. I don't I you know I got to mix it up. I was lucky enough to have. Alice, bring me some takeout from Chez Panisse. Oh my God, uh, that was amazing. That's awesome. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So it's all good. All right. Um, good luck with Jeff on Friday. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> does he I'm try to he does hi. he does he try to sell you wine too? Oh, absolutely. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, absolutely. There's, yeah. there's an MO. We used to yeah. make our yeah. wine when we first started having a house wine. Um, we did it on our 10-year anniversary, and my yeah. intention was every year I'd switch it up and we'd use one of Julie's labels, but he ended up making our wine for the first seven years. Wow. Yeah. Now, I want to ask you, so was that a lucrative endeavor? I've always wanted to have my own label. Um. So we don't claim to be the winemaker. Um, yeah. We really are like, one, it's helping the winemaker with a huge amount of cash flow. And yeah. depending on the price point, it is, it can be lucrative. It's always been lucrative for our rosé, for sure. Yeah. Um, but, you know, my business partner would say, why do we have to buy, you know, 50 cases? You know, I can buy two cases for the same price. Right, and, right. I am a branding person and I like yes, content you are. and yeah. um, so I think it's been worthwhile. Unfortunately, we're not making anything this year. So we'll yeah. probably be able to buy Brian's Roussan for next year, which is exciting. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome, Brian. <laughs> but um, nice. no, I think it's worth it. There's so many great winemakers. And at first I was like, oh, I don't know if they want to do this. But yeah. I think the cash flow part is great. Yeah. And they've all been really willing to like fine tune the wine for our food. So nice. it's it's, nice. it's a nice collaboration, but in the end of the day, I don't tell them how to do anything. Yeah. Well so, that makes sense. You know, yeah. we all gotta stay in our lane. Yeah. yeah, you have been a great uh branding person. I'd love to talk to you more about that at some point too, just certain uh thoughts I have on, you know, how to extend beyond Oakland, yeah. the Bay, you know, I want to get a vehicle so I can come and do some pop-ups in wine country. Um, yeah, if we get open again, you come do anything you want at Sweet D. At Sweet D, space. that would be amazing. Yeah. Okay. We have, a, we have an Great. event space attached to our catering kitchen, which oh. is closed right now. Okay. But we okay. would love to have you. And that would sell out fast. In, in a heart, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It would be really Excellent. cool. That okay, don't forget me yeah. then when it I happens. <laughs> How can I forget you? You're bigger than life. No, Tony, <laughs> and Tonya, I would say find a wine that you like that you think matches up with your food. And if you got something, reach out to me, or I'm sure you have friends. Jeff is, is in the same boat. I think it's a great idea to have a, you know, a wine for your restaurant that you think is perfect. Because then what happens is people take it out of the restaurant and they, then you're sort of extending the experience beyond the restaurant that's what i like about what Sandra does with her with yeah. her big gym and yeah. things like that because then people go home and they try and recreate the wonderful experience that they had that's at the right. restaurant, and it's allowing them to do that by giving them something that they can take home with them yeah but you don't want to awesome. do it the year of a pandemic because it's the best we, year to do it fruit's cheap we, okay well we'll be in the end going into the next year but we started the pandemic with all of our wine like about 
I don't know, 800, 800 cases. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So we haven't hardly bought any wine from anybody. I feel so bad with the brokers. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just because it's a trickle down theory, you know. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. We'll move it. We're focused on, you know, moving the product, at least getting our money back. But yeah, it was a it was a big wake up call. And we have a shitload of bacon, too. <laughs> and bacon and charcuterie for the whole rest of the year right now wow yeah wow. sounds like you need to have a big party sandra bacon, We're, yeah. a bunch bacon of wine and party. bacon yeah oh my yeah. god but you're not allowed to have parties now well as soon as they as soon as we are you better exactly. be throwing the biggest one yeah yeah all right you guys chef thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us my Listeners, pleasure Everyone out there, thank you. We appreciate you listening. We look forward to talking next week. If you want to check out some of our past episodes, we encourage you to go to thebikeozon.com and check out some of the content there. Leave us a message. Leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. All right. Good to see you guys. Take care, guys. Thank you.